welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Hello. (laughs) Welcome, huh? All right, I'm Kyleen. I'm Patrick. And in the last episode, we talked about what our relationship was like, how we met, um, how we viewed our marriage, and um, and kind of, you know, the prog- progress that we've made over two years and what our relationship is like now. So we just kind of talked about why we want to start this podcast and our desire to educate around the topic of sex addiction and betrayal trauma. Yeah. So this episode, we're going to actually start going into uh, how it came out and um, what disclosure looked like. We, we, we are doing this podcast in our home, in my office, and we have a cat and a dog. So if you hear background noises, it may be something like the cat trying to get out. So we're just letting her out really quickly. So let's talk about dis- discovery first. So one thing, I do want to point this out because... I realized once when I was in a support group that this isn't always the norm and I and I didn't realize at the time that I was always terming it as I found out. Mm-hmm. Like it was like confession versus discovery and I always talked about it as discovery. And in reality, it was a combination of discovery and confession. Correct. And now that that might be fairly common, except that it wasn't just confession because I was asking all the questions. I mean, you weren't just answering questions is what I mean. It was me. I kind of I kind of opened the door a little bit and then you took the opportunity and pushed it open. Right. And then and then we kind of went from there. So let's talk about the day that discovery happened. So I woke up that Saturday morning really excited to do a budget and you were so nice. You had printed out um, all of the, you had itemized all of the charges on the credit card in, um, on like a statement in co- different columns. It, you know what's funny about this? And I thought about this the other day. So what she's talking about is an Excel document that says like groceries, we spent, these are the expenditures on groceries. And, the, and, and it's a technique that I've actually used a lot of my life when money's a little bit tighter and it's very effective. Sure. It's incredibly effective. <laughs> and so I was thinking about this the other day because I did that for this for this uh, meetup, but there was a glaring uh, omission. Right. In, in, and that was the money that was being spent on my addiction. I actually think it's valuable to pause here for just a second because that behavior in and of itself is very um, exemplary of what addict brain does. Absolutely, yeah. So addict brain does, how, how do you explain this? It, it takes um, part of a truth mm-hmm. and it really omits what it doesn't want and then presents it to you as the truth um, so that you don't have to feel bad about it. Right, right. Right? So it's, it's trying to manipulate the truth so that you don't feel the, the guilt or the shame. And it does that mm-hmm. in... Uh, with different behaviors, right? You end up, you end up making um, qualifications. That's the word I'm looking for. Qualifications for a lot of different behaviors and things that you're doing right. in addict brain, so that you can feel better about, it, right? So I think actually that just what you did with the budget is an example of that, and it showed up in other areas for sure. Right. right. So I thought at the time. This is so nice. You know, like you just printed it out and it was all organized and I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to go into the bank accounts, hint, hint, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And so um, we sat down and we started going through it. And again, I was, I was, this was exciting for me. I was finding all the recurring charges and canceling them. And I found like 21 months of Fabletic subscriptions. So I got all this athletic wear. I was like, oh, this is great. And I came across a a fitness app that I knew about and we were trying to figure out how to cancel that and couldn't figure it out. And sometimes when you purchase an app, it's through the app store, right? And so I was like, okay, well, let me see if that's how we purchased it. So I asked for your phone. I went into purchased apps, scrolled down. There were previously purchased apps that were inappropriate that had been deleted or expired or whatever. They were in there and that's how I found out. And you know, what's really interesting about it. And I, I've thought about this a little bit, like 
I don't know how I would have I would have not handed it to you, but I handed it to you. You know, I was like, here. You know what I mean? Like, and I remember thinking in my head, like, like actually, there was a lot through this. Wait, this, wait, you've thought you've thought about it, like as if well, you like, went back, you wouldn't hand me the phone. No, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like it's interesting uh, with all of this, like hiding and stuff that I didn't come up with some sort of other thing on the spot. That was one thing that actually blew my mind through this whole process because as I looked back, I was like, I don't ever remember you saying no if I said, hey, can I have your phone? Right. Or hey, open your phone. Or what's your password? Or like any of that. Like I don't ever remember you not giving me your phone if I needed it for any reason. And I I even remember thinking like I could go because at one point you started going through my emails and I could have just gone in and deleted everything, right? And I didn't. You could have I, deleted history. Yeah. On the, you could have deleted browser history. You could but have deleted I, emails. You could have deleted yeah, a lot. I know. But I think I think at that point, I was like, hey, it is what it is. And You and, were giving me the space to find the truth. Right. And I was like, and, and because, and this will come up a little bit, because I was incapable of, of fully, and that's that's generally pretty um, standard for an addict who's coming around. You don't know. You know, and you hear some weird advice out there, even if you're trying to do the right thing. Well, don't share details. And so you're like, well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? And stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I was, I, I was thinking there were a couple of evenings when I drove home, when I, it would have been easy to highlight, you know, select all delete. And uh, it would have made that evening go a lot easier. Once I had discovered something during the afternoon. Yeah, right, right. You and your appointments with Sarah McDougall. But, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, you just name dropped. Okay. So uh, we'll either delete that or we'll explain who Sarah McDougall is. Oh, she, sorry. She is a, um, she's like a, an abuse and victims advocate. And she does a lot with women who, so our situation, um, that you just open a can of worms Sorry. here. Let's go back to the <laughs> Okay. So, um, okay. But look her up. She's awesome. She is great. She's okay. Great. But, but yeah, I, I did work with her as a coach and she would help me kind of discover stuff and that, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to her. Absolutely. So, um, so back to like the day of though, there's mm-hmm. some things I, I'd like to highlight about the day because I think it's an important one is well, there's two pieces actually. One is you immediately denied. Yep. And um, at this point, as we talked about in the last episode, I had no reason to not believe you. I didn't have any red flags. I'd never caught you doing anything before. We'd have multiple conversations throughout our relationship. We had conversations about pornography before we even got married. I was, you know, I it wasn't like I was dumb. It's not like I didn't um, uh, ask questions or... Um, have an ongoing conversation with you about it. It's not like I, I, and by dumb, I mean, it's not like I was naive that this exists, right? Like it had happened in my previous relationship Mm -hmm. and I didn't just ignore that. I talked to you about it. Right. Right. And so then I saw this and I had what was all almost a decade of knowing you backing up. Okay. Well, whatever you say is true, right? Like I had no reason to not believe you. And there were some little flags going off in my head. And one of the biggest ones was your stress response to this whole situation. And so if you if you could see me on the video now, um, you see that my chair moves. It, it rocks a little bit. And we have some chairs in the living room that, that move a little bit. And you were right behind me at some point during this conversation. And your heart was beating so hard that my chair was moving. Yep. Yep. I remember that. And so I... I called, I essentially called you on it and I said, Hey, this is not a normal physio functional medicine coach, uh, background coming in here. This is not the normal stress response for somebody that's telling the truth. Like this is a very strong stress response. Right. Right. And you said to me, you said, well, I don't want to be accused of something I didn't do because I know what your response to it would be. And I know how much that, uh, I know uh, what you think about that and how much that means to you. And I don't want to be accused of doing something that would hurt you or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number one is there was like this big stress response going on. Um, Number two is I didn't really want to let this go. I was thinking apps on your phone that you don't know about that are inappropriate that show up. Like that's what are the odds? (laughs) Yeah, right. That's bad. Like, if that's legitimately true, how could that happen? We need Mm -hmm. to figure that out. And um, so we had this history of you would pass on your phone to Keegan. Um, When you would get a new phone, he would get 
um, the hand-me-down essentially. And there was one point where because it had been your phone, there was some sort of connection between the two. Like you'd get the same texts or whatever. And so when I was trying to figure out how these apps would get here, I said, is there any way that it, oh my gosh, you're, you're denying like a hundred percent. You have nothing to do with this. Is there any way that this is from Keegan's phone and it got onto your phone because they're somehow connected? And instead of taking that as an opportunity to own up, you, I want to say you were willing to throw Keegan under the bus, but at the same time, you knew that they weren't on his phone because you knew that you knew the truth. But what you didn't do was say, no, they're mine. You, you let us go into Keegan's phone to check. Yeah. And he was fine. There was nothing. Of course not. Yeah. 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 Um, so those were two big things I think from that day was mm-hmm. the stress response. And then also just because I think the, 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 deflection, the willingness to do anything to deflect it away from you. And, and that will show up in people's relationships in various different ways where right. they're trying to get the attention off of them. Right. Yep. Yep. For the addiction. So, so that was like the first indication that something was wrong. And then you were so adamant and your stress response was so incredibly strong I actually was trying to calm you down. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. I think I might have even cried. I was like, it, yeah, I was like, if it, listen, if you didn't do anything, why are you so upset by this? If you right. didn't do anything, like, just calm down, you know, and yeah. I'm still here. Like, let's talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, but, you know, that planted a seed, right? There, that was there. And I was like, we got to figure this out. Why is this there? I, I can't for the life of me remember how this started coming out unless you may have, admitted I think you admitted at some point to accidentally downloading something or being conscious about downloading something so then we went to dinner and we had had a date night planned and we have not gone back to this place (laughs) yet yeah yeah I'd like to I think it might be good for our healing but we'll see so we went to dinner and I essentially kept asking questions ultimately what you were willing to um, admit to at that point was that you were, you did download them. You were willing to do that. This was at the point in time, if, if you remember sort of, uh, it was like right after COVID or I guess it was still during, but, um, when those communication apps were a thing or it was like telegram and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so some of them just sort of looked like chat apps. So I had kind of in the back of my mind thought, well, maybe you were trying to download those thinking they were legitimate. And they weren't right, right. right. But uh, but what was coming out during dinner was that no, you did you would download these, and what you were saying at the time was, I downloaded them. I thought they were something else. I would go in, discover that they weren't what I thought, and then I would get rid of them. So then, of course, I keep asking questions, right? And so then I'm like, well, how are they advertised, right? Like, you're like, you're like they'd be advertised on Instagram. And I'm like, well, how are they advertised? And so then eventually what happened, and I don't know, you know, this is partial confession, right? Because you could have said something else, but what you ultimately did was kind of what you what we talked about is that you took a partial truth, covered it with a big lie, and handed it to me so that I would take it as the truth, and that was that they were advertised as dating apps. So part, teeny tiny percent of the truth in there, right? But Kitty is is just absolutely determined to be part of this podcast. She thinks sex is these types of things is taboo. She wants, <laughs> she to, wants to close the laptop. <laughs> so, um, all right. So you admitted that they were... Was it they were date they were dating apps or something like that? So um, I was absolutely shocked by that confession. It wasn't true. I mean, that's not what they were. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't dating apps. But that was like the closest at that point you were willing to tell me the truth. And so then the question that I had was: So you thought about cheating on me? And so you were very much uh, trying to convince me at that point. I downloaded them. I didn't do anything. It was a dating app. I, w- I went in. I considered it, but I never messaged anybody. Right. So yeah, talk, Debbie, it, talk it, about your perspective. Well, it's, it's interesting because as you're saying this stuff, like my my memory of those dates, like it, it's blocks, right? And it's so because it was like uh, you're in fight or flight that whole time. 
Like I was in fight or flight that whole day, like trying to figure out yeah. how am I going to manage this? What am I going to do? What am I going to, you know what I mean? Like it was just, cause you know, this, this, this thing, and this is what's weird. And, and, and I'm going off of just my feelings right now. And, um, so sometimes your feelings betray you or whatever. Isn't that a line from Star Wars? Your feelings betray you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, being like, oh my gosh, this is all starting to come out, but a slight hint of hope, like maybe this will be the end of this behavior, mm-hmm. but then really afraid of what's going to happen with us. And, and, you know, it's just, it was a really weird. So like when you talk about certain details, I'm kind of like, you don't remember. Huh? Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's just a very, I think the one thing I remember is the next morning that I remember very well. Yeah. You don't remember. So, okay. So I said, you don't remember me saying that. So you thought about cheating on me at dinner? Not really. Oh man. So I said, so you thought about cheating on me. You said, yes. That's when I said, excuse me, I think I need to leave. So that was still in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then I went and had a panic attack in the car. Yeah. 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 So I left the restaurant. I got in the car. I was absolutely in panic mode, hyperventilating, crying, um, called my friend, was talking to him like, what is happening? Like, I, I don't understand. My reality was just totally shattered, you know? And then, um, and then I texted you to come in the car, hung up with my friend, hyperventilated in front of you. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I think I remember what I was trying to say to you in the moment while I was having the panic attack was essentially how could you do this I loved you so much I gave you everything of course and I remember just being like I but I loved you but I loved you right right it was so confusing to you but you thought about cheating on me and at that point I didn't even know that you had done anything I know the extent of it yeah 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 oh my gosh just like going back to that like panic attack at that point without knowing anything I didn't know anything yeah do you remember the panic attack? Do you remember? Being I do car? remember the panic attack. I remember being in the restaurant as you got up and left and left. We had already ordered our food. So the wait- waitress came over and I said, Hey, we need our stuff to go. And, um, you know, we need to actually, it's funny because we ate in bed that night when we got home. Oh, we with did? The food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, that memory just came back. Huh? But yeah, we ate in bed that night and I just remember being thinking like, well, I guess I'll Uber home. Like, I remember, like, thinking things like that, I'll Uber home. And then, like, part of me was, like, at that point, I was, like, resigned, you know, in, in a weird way. Like, I, you know, that, that, like, and then, you know, I'll find something and Keegan and I'll go live somewhere. And, you know what I mean? Like, it was already starting to go through my head. Like, yeah. like this is, because this is the way it's going to turn out. Yeah. It's just going to. Yeah. Right? It wasn't, like, you know, or whatever. But, um, so that was starting to enter into my conscience, you know, as, as mm-hmm. you know, so. Oh, that was a rough night. So yeah. then I don't remember really eating in bed. You said that and I'm like, do I? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So then. So we somehow got in the car and drove together on the way. I don't know how we resolved it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Yeah, like, I'm thinking I don't remember. back now. I'm like, That's the point I remember yeah. the most was right. having that realization at dinner and then having the panic attack. I don't remember much after that. Yeah. And what's weird in my memory is. Things were okay when we got home, and things were okay through the night. We fell asleep. I think because at that point, I still thought you had not actually taken action. So I, in my mind, was trying to resolve myself to the idea that, well, you didn't actually do anything. anything. Maybe we can work it out. Right. And the next morning was fine. And I don't know. I think I woke up the next morning like, oh, my gosh, I'm... A horrible, well, horrible person. I yeah. the other day, the night before, I just found out that you wanted to cheat on me. Right. So right. I'm sure, knowing myself and knowing the, knowing the rest of what happened, that I was asking questions the next day. Yeah, and then I I had to go to the bathroom. It was early. I had to go to the bathroom, and I <laughs> sitting on the toilet. And uh, so we're all good revelations. And actually, you know, it's interesting because I've had a few moments in my life where I like I've heard statements said. And the one thing that came out was you have to tell her. From God. From God. <laughs> Let's just clarify. Yeah. When you're hearing voices. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was hearing was Scott Fitzgerald. I was hearing voices yeah. in my head one day and it yeah, told right, me. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got to tell her. And I remember sitting in the bathroom like, well, how do I? <laughs> like, can I jump out the window? Like, like there's a lot of like, you feel these things. Like, you don't want to face this because it's, it's Was hard. that the first confession or the second confession though? Because there, the, there was the time you confessed on... It, on 
the side of the bed, and there was the rest of the confession in the closet. I thought that was the closet, so I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. So happened. the first thing was I must have started asking you questions during uh-huh. the day. Yeah. At some point during that day, we sat on the bed on the edge of the bed, and you broke down. This is when you said, "I've been hearing voices, not from God. I've been yeah, hearing voices. Yeah. Um, I." Porn has been drawing me for the past six months, and I don't know why. And you were an absolute disaster wreck, falling apart on the bed, crying, sobbing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it still wasn't a full confession, but that was the beginning of you opening that door and saying, I'm actually volunteering information. I'm broken. I'm sorry. I don't like this. I This is hurtful, but I have to tell you the truth. Right, right. I remember that because I remember being... Kind of remember that. I remember that pretty well because I remember thinking like I was so shocked yeah but mostly it was in that moment it was um because you had given me in that quote-unquote uh disclosure that you were giving me volunteering the information you were giving me a very short timeline you were saying six months that it's drawn me you weren't giving me a whole lot of specifics Mm -hmm. at that point and you were in complete distress Mm mm-hmm so in my mind, I was jumping into what do you need? What's going on? How can I help? This was like an emergent situation right. with the level of stress and yep. distress that you were expressing to me. And, you know, I, and I really think about this. You know, one of the major things an addict has to do in his life is they have to break all of the denial structures, not just some of them. And so the, the, the pain of disclosure is designed to crucify the addict to get to the point where you're no longer in denial. And so, like, I had to This was you, you trying to do. I was trying to do the right thing, but like you said, the six-month thing, you know, that's... And God bless you and your... Because I don't think I'd be where I was today had you not been as dogged and determined. As painful as that was for both of us, um, I wouldn't... I what wouldn't do you mean where, by that? Well, because you were like, no, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what... And I had to answer for it, and I was willing... To answer for it, even if it meant that I had told you something different the day prior. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole other piece of it that as you get out of addict brain, so you were telling me half-truths in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but fairly quickly on as you were determining that you wanted to really get in recovery, you started to tell me the truth. So I would find out that something that I had asked you about before was not true. You had not told me the truth. Right. I would ask it again, and then you would tell me the truth. That was rough. Yeah, yeah. And there and there was, you know, in, in a lot of cases... Well, the whole thing was you sitting on the bed telling me anything about porn. Like, from all the porn conversations we had had in our relationship, right, right. that alone was like... Mind-blowing. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times you don't, you know, as an addict, you forget. You don't know you know what I mean? Like in a lot of cases, especially, and that, you know, like if they had, if they had hooked me up to a heart rate monitor over those three, four days, it probably would have been like 250 beats a minute. You know what I mean? Like that entire time. Oh, probably for me too. Yeah. And so it was, it was a really interesting, and, and I, I'm not sure when I went downstairs to sleep, but, um, I don't think it was right away. I don't think it was the first three no, the first several days, I would I was having you sleep on the floor in the bedroom, right. on the couch cushions in the bedroom, yeah, that sort of thing. Because right. it was one of those, um, I'm really upset, mm-hmm. but you caused me to be upset, so you need to help me when I'm sad. But also, right. Right. like you just cheated on me, so I feel like it's you shouldn't be in the bed. Like right. it was right. one of those situations. Yeah. But okay, so the first part of disclosure was you sitting on the bed and saying I'm hearing I've been hearing voices there's been a draw I'm in absolute torment everything's falling apart okay so I was trying to digest this I believe it was the same day see I, my memory is that came after I had sat we no sat because the, the one no because the closet is when you actually told me the truth wow okay yeah I, I Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the clo- you remember the closet, I think, because of my reaction. So yes. the first reaction was a little less because you were in massive distress. Mm-hmm. You remember the closet, which came second, because my reaction was distress. Yeah, you know what you know what might have happened is is and that could have been what drove that is like as I reviewed my words 
And what I, I was like, yeah, I can't, you know, I, I have to tell you the truth. Well, I was going into let's fix this mode. Yeah, you are owed the truth and I have to do that. And, you know, even then I wasn't fully open and honest, but I was, I was, I think at that point I was just ready to tell you more and then just deal with whatever was coming my way. You know, I mean, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, I was like, I'll make sure you're taken care of. I'll do, you know, like that was already starting to go through my head. I was, I was, and I've always been kind of a planner, decisive kind of guy. So I was like, okay, well, you know, you mess up, you pay the price and that's what happens. And I've messed up and she needs to know what I've done. And, you know, I don't think I, like today I'll say, and she needs to be able to make an informed decision. That wasn't that clear in my head. But it was something along those lines. Like, you know, she needs to know I owe it to her. I remember thinking that I owe it to you to tell you what's happening and then you can make whatever decision you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that okay. So then what, what that looked like was, okay, so that was the moment he came out of the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So like we had, we had sat on the side of the bed, you had 1% confessed and then I started processing that. Mm-hmm. We probably, again, we didn't journal through this, but we probably had some conversations in there, me asking some questions. You went into the bathroom, you came out, I was in the closet, or you were in the closet, that's right. You were sitting on the little bench thing in the closet. And then I think I came towards you and said, what's wrong? Like, you you made a comment and I was like, oh, you're really worrying me. Like, you're, you know, your face and everything or, or something that you had said was worrisome. And so that was the point at which you actually started telling me the truth. Right. Like the right. actual truth. Mm-hmm. And that was when I believe when you started telling me about cyber sex and live women and right. money. And yeah. there was something in in that yeah. realm of like me actually finding out what had really actually happened. And the fact that I don't know at that point if you were telling me that it was longer than six months or whatever, but it was a whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, and I don't know what I said at, at each moment because there was yeah. there was weeks of staggered disclosure mm-hmm. on things. So I don't know when certain things came out, but I do know that that was the moment where I feel like in a lot of ways, the bandaid was ripped off. That was like your confession. Moment. Yeah. In, in, in my life. And, and, and I'll never forget that. I'm probably going to get emotional again, but, um, just, you, you know, the look on your face and like, if you, if you ever want to know, well, don't, don't do that to people. But if you ever want to know, you know, it's it was the physical embodiment of pain and hurt and betrayal that was on your face and it was a uh, it was a really hard thing to watch and um and to also know that i caused it it's one thing if you haven't caused it and you're there for the person and stuff like that mm-hmm. but it, it was all four of those things together that just was was completely devastating mm-hmm. to watch and to know that I was the, you know, I was the reason. I mean, dropped me through the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it you know. I cultivated this image Yeah. as much as maybe I hated it or whatever. You know, you, you, you never had the chance to help me. You never had the chance to, to, you know, to do the things that, that we could have done earlier on before it had gotten worse and, mm-hmm. and all of these things, you know, and I get, you know, I don't know. There's always a discussion. Are they supposed to happen that way or whatever? You know, that's a, that's another topic. But, you know, the, the, the net outcome is massive pain and betrayal, hurt and, um, and, you know, deep, deep wounds that are still healing to this day. I, I think recovery is uh, a very long-term ongoing, yeah. ongoing thing. But, um, yeah, that was, that was what I would consider like the big moment, right? I mean, there were, <laughs> there was the restaurant, there was side of the bed, and then there was, the closet. Those were like the three sort of earth shattering reality moments for me of ripping off the bandaid and discovering. And that all happened within about 24 hours, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the most, it was two days, but it was. Um, yeah, because, uh, yeah. I think, it, I think it was both Saturday the to com- Sunday. That's, that, that, that's, it all happened. Okay, so days. yeah, two days. So Saturday night into Sunday. And then, um, then you took a couple days off work. Which I really, I, to this day, I really appreciate that because what we did essentially was was put ourselves in the room and hash it out. Um, uh, I, I know I scheduled a therapy appointment. I got myself into therapy. You know. Yeah. Mean? So, well, well, let's talk about kind of what you did that first week in just a second. But in terms of like discovery, mm-hmm. you blocked those two days. We 
more, I mean, we spent 99% of our time those days in that room, in our bedroom, because I had a million questions. Right. And once the Band-Aid had ripped off and I was like, you're, you're engaging in what? Then, I mean, I didn't know anything about that world. You know, and that's the thing is like, people have different realities and understandings and awareness of, of porn or of, you know, of those types of, if you're not engaged in that world, you probably have a one to five percent understanding of what happens in that world. Agreed. Yeah, that's the case with, with a lot of different things. And yeah. if you're sheltered or naive or mm-hmm. whatever it is, which right. good on you if you are. I wish everybody was. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know you have an idea of you know well it's like a it's like Playboy magazine stills or it's like airbrushed this or it's like a pre-recorded video or whatever and and there's a spectrum like all of that exists but there is a spectrum. And what I was so shocked was, I think what just blew my mind was to find out that you were not only in that world, but you were like in some aspects, super high on the spectrum. Like it's not just free. You were paying for it. It's not just pre-recorded. It's live interaction. Like that took it to a whole nother level. And I, it like gutted me. I just could not fathom that you were involved in any of that. Mm -hmm. But I was sitting there listening and understanding that you were. And I didn't even know that some of that existed. Mm -hmm. And so to find out all in one breath that it existed and that you were doing it and that you had been doing it and that you had been doing it for most of our relationship, that was a lot for me to handle. What was really interesting, and this this was happening on my side, like, I was doing that. You know what I mean? Like, like you start to kind of, as the veil, once again, the, the denial, as that veil starts to come off, you know, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this was a part of who I am. This is not who I wanted to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, how did I, how did it get here? Like, you know, you're like just yeah. confused and ashamed and, um, you want to, I, I wanted to make things right and, and I didn't know if I could. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? And so in light of, in light of the behavior and it was, it was a really, really scary place for both of us at that point. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned, I'm um, getting into therapy. So what happened was I had a friend whose husband was a sex addict who had already told me this years before any of this happened. So that, that was in the back of my mind. So as soon as I began to get the first pieces of information about what was going on in our life. I called her like immediately and was like, what the heck? And this was before, I think this might've been the next day after dinner before discovery or it, you know, actually I think it might've been, I think it it was in between those two that we just talked about. Right. That may have been actually, that might've been the trigger for you. I think it may have been, you sat on the bed and you somewhat confessed I called my friend. I was crying to her mm-hmm. and really, and then you were like, I have to tell, because I did not know everything when I was talking to her. Interesting. So I think okay. it may have actually been in between those two things. There's a lot that happened in that 24 hours, but yeah. anyway, I, I, she started pointing us in the right direction right away. Mm-hmm. And because of that week one, which was it? You were in therapy first or you were in I was in, no, group I, first? I was in group first. Week one, you were in a support group and week two, you were in therapy. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how fast it happened. So I found out on a Saturday, found out more on a Sunday. Um, you were in support group by Thursday night. Thursday night. And then it was the next week you had a therapy session. Right. Right. Then this opened the door to weeks of what you already mentioned, a staggered disclosure. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, and, and what staggered disclosure is, is, is um, she keeps finding out more information just over time, over a period of time. Yeah, and not necessarily defined, but over a period of time. So, you know, we, we mentioned earlier about a resource that she had where she could go in and check things and then she'd find something out there. I actually, one of the group that I was going through, which we'll talk about, there's a, a lesson on disclosure. And so I, I was wanting to be different and I wrote things down and I came home and, and, and I walked her through it and it actually well, no, countered, hold on, hold on, it hold countered on. some of the things that I had told her earlier. Yeah, okay, so back up though, because that's like a whole thing. So... 
I was looking. You just want to talk about the bouncing cup. <laughs> I was finding things because I was looking at the money trail. Mm-hmm. Once I got into the accounts and started looking at the money trail, that was a whole other discovery of how much money, how frequently, how many times a day. I mean, that was its own thing. So it was going through the finances. It was going through emails. It was going through, I was piecing together Mm -hmm. from what you call forensic evidence. I was piecing together the documentation of the addiction. Right, right. And then... I would ask you questions about about your addiction and you would give me partial truths or whatever and then over time started giving me truths but like we mentioned earlier sometimes they would conflict and so then so then you went into conquer into the support group right and it was talking about disclosure and so even though you were in therapy and we'll talk about a therapeutic disclosure right. you wanted to tell me you to your credit, you were trying to tell me everything. And I was asking a lot of questions that I wanted to know everything. Mm-hmm. So you put that together. Yeah, it's actually one of the, you just, and it kind of goes through frequency. Had you spent money on it, you know, and, and, and things like that. And it was just very, just black and white. So I kind of went through that. And I, uh, and I remember we were, we had gone to dinner and I said, I'm gonna, I'd like to read this to you. And you're like, is there anything new? I'm like, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, so like, is there anything through, I don't know? Um, the very first thing I said was something you didn't know. Or I think it, it actually like the second line. encountered yeah. something that I had told you. And, uh, and, and you, uh, it was funny. You were, we were downstairs and you were holding this glass and you threw it on the ground and it bounced off the, off the This is the strongest glass into the wall that was ever made because I threw it on the floor, which is hardwood floors. It bounced off the hardwood floor and hit the drywall. It left a dent in the hardwood floor. It left a dent in the drywall and the glass didn't break. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't after that first one. It was after, so you, it was like two lines in, you said something that countered what you had said before. So I called you on it and I started getting upset and then you kept reading and there were two or three other things. And then we were like in the middle of this and that's when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, and you know, part of it is just to be very clear, I was not being aggressive towards you in any way. Yeah. I think because the one glass didn't break, she walked all the way down (laughs) to my office and found another glass and broke that one. Okay. Um, So, you know, pause for a minute. How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, once again, I was willing to accept any consequence that was coming my way. You know what I mean? That was kind of from the beginning. You yeah. You know what I mean? And so I was like, all right, well, whatever, you know. And, you know, you can analyze that however you want as someone that's outside of the situation. In my mind, it's very controlled. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, t- I wasn't um, yeah. addressing it towards you. Um, I was getting energy out. I was expressing um, you know, yeah. this was an intense, yeah. like super intense. Very like intense. you were yeah. trying to be honest, and yet I was finding out that you were still lying to me, or right. that you had right. still lied to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I had asked as we were walking down the hall into the bedroom that we were going to do this disclosure in. I asked you like maybe three more times, right up until the last minute. Is there anything in here that I don't know? And what's and crazy? You said no. Well, what's crazy is in my mind, mm-hmm. I thought I was telling the truth. That, that you that you knew everything in that's in my mind like I was convinced of mm-hmm. that you know what I mean so I was a little shocked like when you got mad I was like wait what you know what I mean like it was, it was, not good. It was a really and, and you know there was another incident because I had a I had a personal laptop and and she had the passwords to it and was what do do we not want to go into that no but this 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 is really important okay. because I, I think I think it goes to the nature and the emotions of disclosure yeah and so she would go in and she would look at things and I would come home and she would ask me quite actually she called me at work and I decided to leave work early and come home because, you know, she had found some things that, that just weren't. No, working. I, you had your laptop at home. I was looking through it again, found that you had lied to me about a specific thing because I found it in your history. Right. So then I called you on the phone, which you had me on speaker. I don't know why you had me I on speaker. I think we had been cordial. I think there hadn't been an issue and when so we're going through the, this, yeah. it's like, why would you? Ha- I don't yeah, know. Anyway, yeah, it's just, you, know, I you really, had me on speaker. Yeah. I I was calling you because I was very upset. This was a very, very triggering discovery for me. Yeah. I was very angry. Um, I called you. I let you know that I had found it. You really, I don't remember you having much to say. Yeah. Um, I screamed, fuck you, 
apparently on speakerphone in your office. Exactly. <laughs> hung up, mm-hmm. and then you came home. Right. We sat on the bed with the laptop. I showed you. I think I showed you what I was talking about or whatever. I, I had taken some screenshots, and it was there, and I think whatever. We talked about it. And um, at one point, I just got up and took the laptop and went into the garage, and I took a hammer to it. Yeah, she took a hammer to it. And, uh, and as it should be, frankly. Yeah, and, and, and I've told this story. Like, I wasn't like, oh, my gosh. I actually felt good. It felt like it was another linkage to my addiction that was being broken. And so, like, you know, when you talk about being in bondage, you know, it really is a, a metaphysical thing. And so, like, it felt like that was another um, thing that was breaking that bondage. And I felt good when she was doing it. And I was kind of like, good for her, you know. And, and then I remember she walked towards me. She said, get out. And so I was like, okay. And so I went and I think I grabbed the suitcase. And then she came to me and she was like, please don't leave. And I, I, I calmed you, down. Yeah, you cried. Uh, actually, the like, laptop thing was, a, uh, I think it was a good thing for yeah. both of us. Mm-hmm. I think that it allowed me to express and actually release a lot of emotion in that moment. Right. Again, it's not towards you physically or anything like that. So um, I think that in some ways it's very healthy. And it, you know, it it eliminated a source of the addiction. Absolutely. That you absolutely 100% did not need for any other reason in your life. So I wasn't taking something away that, um, you know, you needed for work or anything like that. So in, in a, in a way, if you want to view it this way, it was a very safe expression of the anger that I very rightfully felt because of the betrayal and the lies that, that I was finding. This was in reaction to a very strong trigger of a lie that you had blatantly told me. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. So we've t- we've talked about that a lot. But. So you know, we we went through that, and there was you know, she would always you know, there was always a lot of questions at night. They, she seemed to always ask them at ten o'clock at night when it was like time to go to bed. It was like okay, and I remember thinking like, and I think I even told you I'll answer any question you have. You know what I mean? I think I might have told you that, or maybe I made that commitment to To myself. be fair, I think the questions started earlier, but the emotion kind of hits later. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and those were hard. And we, you know, I think I ultimately was like, hey, I've got to be able to get some sleep. And you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. and to her credit, she was like, okay, you know what I mean? So it's not, she was, you know, she was aware that I had to work and, you know, and, and sleeping is important and stuff like that. That took time, though. Like in yeah. the beginning, we hashed it out. Yeah, I wouldn't have said that on day two. Right. Or something like yeah. that. Hey, I've got some sort of, but yeah. I mean, once we kind of got our feet under us and figured mm-hmm. out what was happening and you got into therapy and into group and we kind of figured out what yeah. this was, right? then it became a long-term thing. But we were still in survival at that point because we mm-hmm. were still figuring out what it looked like. I didn't know if, you know, what was going to happen to the relationship. I didn't know if you were going to relapse at any moment. I didn't know if Mm -hmm. you were going to come to me. Like when you were sleeping downstairs, I didn't know if you'd come up and tell me that you were struggling with something. You know what I mean? Like I did not know those first couple months what to expect. And I had, Mm -hmm. and I still, I came in probably one of, if not, I mean, I, there are people that are more naive than me and more sheltered than me, but I'm pretty high on the spectrum. (laughs) Or I was. Right, right. And so I had a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I did not understand. I didn't understand how it could happen. I was learning about addiction through this process. I did not understand how it could happen to you. I didn't understand how you could choose it. I didn't understand the interactions engaging with live women. I had a lot of questions about that. What was involved and Mm -hmm. how you, you know, the communication aspect. That was a trigger that really stuck with me for a long time was how you communicated with other women and just like literally understanding like well how did that work like what was the process like what I didn't understand anything and I had so many questions as as I should because and as any one woman would Mm -hmm. because um you know it's it's the same as an affair in a lot of ways um, the betrayal is the same. The behavior may not be the same, but the betrayal is the same. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to know what happened and the depths of it and the process of it and what was going on in your head. I needed mm-hmm. to figure out if there was emotions involved. I need, I needed to figure out what the triggers were. I needed to understand like how you felt about it. I needed to understand, did you want to do it again? I, you know, I, I right, didn't right. understand any of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, and I had all the typical questions like, did you have a type? Did you, you know, did you repeat customer? Like all this kind of stuff. Like I needed to understand what was happening and I had every right. And here's the thing I want to make sure women know, because I think 
someone maybe don't feel this, you have every right to know what's going on in your relationship when you're married because you have committed to each other Mm -hmm. and you have certain understandings spoken or unspoken within that bond. And when that is betrayed, you have a right to know what that is because that changes your relationship dynamic. It changes what you vowed to each other. It dissolves those essentially Mm -hmm. once that's broken, right? Like, so you have a right to know because that, that like what you were saying earlier is informed consent of what the heck you're going to do with the relationship moving forward. If you don't know what happened, with the, with the level of fidelity on your partner, with your partner and what that means and what the effect is on you, then like you can't make a decision about what the relationship looks like moving forward. So yeah. that was all information gathering. Yeah. And, and what you call, called it earlier was a staggered disclosure. So I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah. So all that means is, you know, it's very, you, know, you think we talked about the first weekend and how impactful that was on her. And then imagine going through that same thing again, you know, four days later. And then six days later, and then eight days later. So she's never has the opportunity to start processing the information because the information keeps coming. So in the group that I belong to, one of the things they they recommend, and I understand why they do this, and it's always just up for debate, but they recommend that you wait six months. If you're starting down this road and your and your wife doesn't know that you wait six months before you tell her. And part not in a hundred percent, it's not to keep any secrets from her. It's to make sure that you can be 100% open and honest. And, and so that's why they, they recommend that because it takes time to start peeling these layers off of who you are and coming to grips with, with what you've done. It just takes time. And so um, now there are therapeutic ways to disclose, mm-hmm. which we went through. Yes, and that did not take six months. No. Um, so the, to be clear, what you're saying is the reason they would say wait is because even what, what you had just described in multiple different versions is that you thought you were telling the truth and then found out later you weren't or you were trying to tell a partial truth and then it came back to bite you later. Or mm-hmm. And so what the time does is you get into therapy, you get into the group, you start processing your addiction, you start getting into recovery, you have time to actually assemble the information. Right, right. So there are benefits to that. However, I'm going to be the really, you know, I'm going to be the wife that says, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. And and many women don't. So, right. you know, there's, there's, there's the therapeutic advice and then there's your relationship. Right. <laughs> and yeah. you are in survival mode at that point. And so mm-hmm. there, there's a piece of which that's good advice. And then there's a piece to which I needed to know all of it. And, yeah. I, need and, that, I, and I think that's very unique to you and, and, and maybe not, you know, entirely unique, but I know in some of the, in some of the groups I'm in, some of the wives, they're like, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. That can be dangerous too. Like you have to actually know. Again, you can't be in this relationship not knowing the truth. So I think that's dangerous to say, I don't need to know. You do need to know. Mm -hmm. You might not want to, but you do. And there is probably a happy middle where like, you're not asking as many questions as I am until the therapeutic disclosure. Right, right. Um, I but say, I don't necessarily regret it, even though I know yeah, the truth yeah. about how traumatizing it is. Well, I think, I think what, and it, it's interesting how all this stuff gets orchestrated because, you know, God's orchestrating these things. Because of what we went through, I will say as hard as the full therapeutic disclosure was, that had more of a beautiful moment to it because I could sit here in front of Kyleen, verified with a polygraph, and talk about this stuff. And it was, she'd already heard about it. She knew I was telling the truth at that moment. And I, and I walked, so I, I, it, it, and it got tough, you know, as this whole process is, but that particular moment in the full therapeutic disclosure, I think was nice. We actually came out of it feeling pretty good about us. Mm -hmm. We went and had a nice dinner. Um, you know, things like that. So, but I think that work had been, or that foundation had been laid through the previous months. So staggered disclosure, the reason they recommend that you don't do what we did is Mm -hmm. because it's incredibly traumatizing. Right, right. Um, And it's like little bombs exploding every single time you learn something new. So they, they just recommend that you do it all at once. And what that's called is a full therapeutic disclosure. We did both. Yep. So we did the staggered disclosure followed by a therapeutic disclosure. And what that looks like is that Patrick was working with his counselor for several weeks, or actually it was several months. I think we did this about three, three and a half months into the process. Mm -hmm. 
So you took several, uh, you took a lot of time right. with him to create the disclosure and yeah. it follows a pattern and it answers specific questions. Mm-hmm. And as the spouse, I get to say like, Hey, I want to make sure this is included, stuff like that. And then you also, you know, you don't want to ask like details, like there's specific questions that you don't want to know, like, um, you know, what do they look like or something like that? There's like, there's details that yeah. just nobody needs to know because it'll a, traumatize it, you for life. Right. It's a, um, it's a, it's a document that's used or it's a process that's used to, um, in a non-qualifying way, get out your sexual history, in essence. And sometimes people will say, I only want to know what happened in the rela- as long as we've been in the relationship. In this case, Kylene wanted to know my, and so, you know, my first exposure to pornography, you know, what my sexual history was, and maybe how many partners I had, and that sort of thing. And, and so, you know, I was, I was willing to go through that. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I, mm-hmm. I've heard of some people going, no, I'm not going to share that, and then they have to negotiate that or whatever. But I, you know, I, I think, and it might just be one of these things like, okay, well, you know, the other, her therapist says, well, why do you need to know that? You know what I mean? Like, like there could be some, but in my case, I was willing to talk about it. Well, in our case, there's a couple reasons. One with addiction, I think it gives you the big picture to Mm -hmm. understand from exposure to now what the process was. Right. So it allows me to see the actual Mm storyline of how, how it occurred. Right. It, and how it happened. And that's really important, too, because it happened way before we got together. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So understanding that. The other piece of it is, well, we went through sexual history and sharing all of that before we got married. But I also asked you questions about pornography and all this kind of stuff before we got married. So it's like, okay, I want to know that you're telling me the truth. Give me all of it, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. But having that piece of what was the pattern like, when did it start, and how did that show up in your life? I think in terms of the spouse understanding addiction and the process and how it showed up, that can be very helpful. And it, it I would say probably 99% of the time did not just show up in your relationship. So if you're only getting that piece of, piece of it, then you're, then that's what it is. It's a piece of it. Right. You know, you're not getting the whole story. I wanted the whole story. Mm-hmm. So we went through that and I could submit questions if I wanted specific things to be included. Like one of the big things that was huge for me was, um, making sure that um, you did not have physical affairs or physical real-world interactions mm-hmm. with people. And so I had some things I wanted clarified. And um, then uh, part of the full therapeutic disclosure is that your therapist is there, my therapist is there, you read the disclosure, and we both have individual supports. And then a polygraph is also recommended. Correct. And so we did the polygraph before the disclosure so that I knew that what was on the disclosure was true and accurate. So I kind of came into it with that confirmation. Mm -hmm. And then a polygraph also allowed me to ask just a couple high level questions to confirm the things that I needed to know that you just writing them down wasn't going to be good enough for me. And again, that was, I needed to know that there was no physical, you know, that sort of thing. So that was the polygraph. We took it ahead of time. We brought that into the disclosure. We sat there with our therapist. You read the disclosure to me. And then we sat there and kind of discussed for a little while. Did you read an impact letter at that point? No, that was separate. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so it was, I remember coming out of that process, you know, both the polygraph, which was the first one was hard, but coming out of that process and saying, hey, I can do this. It was like the first time. In like when all of this stuff had come out, that I started to feel like, hey, I can I can gain get my legs back under me, and be a man of integrity and stuff like that. I mean, it, you know, it's always nice to be like, well, I had integrity my entire life. Like it'd be great to say that, but if you can't say that, then you can say, well, from this moment on, I've had integrity, and I can I intend to build upon that. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that's 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 a really nice nice process, and the polygraph confirms those things. Mm-hmm. What are, do you have any other thoughts um, specific to the disclosure, the therapeutic disclosure? Um, I mean, it, you know, I, I think we were very fortunate. Our therapists were top notch. And so he was able to walk me through it and give me things to talk about and, you know, non-triggering ways to say things and stuff like that. So it's... That's part of working with yeah, your therapist for right. so long is actually formulating, you're writing it down and you're formulating how you're going to communicate. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, but just, I, I remember 
you know, feeling the amount of love in the room, which was really, you know, first off from my, from my therapist, because I didn't know how this was going to go with mm-hmm. you, you know. And so he, he sat really close to me and he had his hand on my back. And, uh, so that was, that was really cool. And as I read through it, I kept telling me, slow down, slow down. Cause you know, you want to get through it. It's not, you're like, Hey, this is great. Um, you want to get through it. And, uh, and then I think the first thing you said is, Hey, can I see it? And so I handed it to you cause you wanted to verify. No, the something. first thing I did uh-huh. was I reached over when you were done. I reached over to you and basically comforted you. Oh, okay. You don't remember that? I don't. I'm I thought, sorry. you know, you've brought that up actually as a memory that you've had. And it yeah. might just be in this conversation because it's a yeah. hard conversation. Yeah, I, I reached over to you as soon as you were done. I put my hand, I think it was on your knee. Okay. And I was like, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now and then, yeah. and then I, um, I did ask some questions just because I wanted to let you get through the disclosure and mm-hmm. read all of it. <laughs> I stopped you in the middle. You were on a roll. Yeah. Um, and I knew how stressful that was for you. But there were a couple things that you had brought up that I just wanted clarification on. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked at it because it was typed out and then asked you a couple things and then that was it. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And then we were done, right? Is that it? We were done? No, we sat there for, I don't know, Talk. maybe another hour and talked yeah. with our therapist for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty... <laughs> pretty chill in that aspect. I think they, they blocked off a lot of times. I think, I think for some, sometimes there can be a lot of questions and a lot of discussion, mm-hmm. but it really was for me. It was just, can I see like these two lines? I want to clarify these questions. And then we were done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Essentially. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was, that was a nice, you know, that was nice to kind of come through that. There was still, a, I think we did that in May or June. It was May. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I had this know. thing like, let's get this done before my birthday. Yeah. You wanted to get it done before your birthday, which is, which is fine. Um, and so, but it, I mean, it, you know, we weren't done with our healing. We weren't, you know, finished at all. There was still a lot that had to go. That was like still, step one. Yeah, but it was an important step. And so, um, you know, then we were able to just kind of use that as a foundational activity um, to, to move forward. So. Laying the foundation of, mm-hmm. of, okay, now I know the truth. Now I know all the truth. I have a polygraph to confirm it. Right. How and, do you feel? You know, what do you want to do at yeah. that point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anything else about disclosure or that process that you want to share with anybody? You know, I've heard guys, guys will come up to me and say, man, I would never do that. And I, you know, I would encourage you, you know, if you're listening to this and you're being asked to do a therapeutic disclosure and you're resisting, don't resist it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really goes to the heart of who you are and, and, you know, you can recover. There are bad pieces of information in there, but you can recover. And it may mean that your marriage is strained. It may mean your marriage ends. Um, But you owe it to yourself, to be honest. Sometimes you say, well, I owe it to my spouse. And I did owe it to you. But there was a massive amount of healing on my end when I could start to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I don't think that's discussed enough. And maybe it is, and I just didn't hear it. But... And just when you start to be able to live in integrity, it's, is a, uh, it's, it's a huge healing effect on you. It really starts to allow you to let people in and, and stuff like that. So don't, don't skimp on that. You know, don't try to talk people out of it. It is hard, but it's very, it's the, the, the hard, the reward is exponentially greater than the hard mm. in, in my mind. Yeah. I would say the same thing for the betrayed spouse is um, not to skip that piece. Yeah. Like, I, I really, really think it's important that you do know. And, and you can qualify, you know, with your preferences, how detailed or not they go with the information that they give you. But I would get the information. Right. Like, yeah. you, you just, you need to know what you're dealing with. And if that seems too scary or too hard for you, I would work with a therapist because it's important that you're able to face that because it's something that has happened in your life and you need to know what that means. Right. Um, and so if that alone is just like too much, I would work with somebody that can kind of help you to support you through that. But I would not ever recommend that you just skip over that. Yeah. Um, I've heard people say, well, I, I want to do this. I don't want to do this because I, I want to make sure that our marriage has a chance to heal. I, I don't think your marriage can heal unless people know the truth and you're, and you're now telling the truth mm-hmm. and, 
all of those things. I, if you know, I didn't know the truth, I couldn't keep you accountable. I mm-hmm. couldn't offer accountability. I couldn't offer support and I couldn't set boundaries for my own safety. Right. And my, right. and my requirements for like what it, it, it means to be in a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. How would I know what that is if I didn't know what you were doing? Yeah, that's right. You know, I would assume that like I did for the first nine and a half years mm-hmm. that we were on the same page mm-hmm. if I didn't have the truth. Right. All right. Good job. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.